Kelly Diane Sims was a 27-year-old from Kelso, Washington. She was a mother who loved playing pool and darts. On the early morning of October 16, 1990, Kelly was dropped off two blocks from a local bar because the driver, a friend of hers, was headed in a different direction. Kelly never arrived at her destination. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. is it about alliteration that catches our attention? Oh, what is alliteration? Well, it's the title of this episode. It's the occurrence of the same letter or sound at the beginning of adjacent or closely connected words. Like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Or a good cook could cook as much cookies as a good cook who could cook cookies. And it only took me one recording to get those sayings right. Yes, really. Because I'm a dumb American who only speaks American, is alliteration a thing in other languages? In French, in German, in Mandarin? I really have no idea and didn't look it up before putting this episode together. But alliteration is such a part of the English culture that there's actually a saying in the comedy community. The saying is, alliteration is funny. Meaning, as a comic, if you're having writer's block, Just put together a story using a bunch of the same sounding words, and the audience will love it, even if the story itself isn't actually funny. But here at Unfound, we don't do funny. In fact, we tackle some of the most serious issues that the earth can provide. And that's certainly the truth with the disappearance of Kelly Sims, a mother of three who was just looking to play some pool, but never made it to her destination. Yet the title of this episode is true in that the investigation has been made so complex by conjecture, coincidences, and crimes. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Kelly Sims lived in the same town where she grew up. Over that time, she had three children, got married and divorced, then met another man, Lester Newton, who on his own could provide for the family. However, Kelly always had a distant and turbulent relationship with her family, especially her mother, who went as far as to oppose Kelly and help Kelly's ex-husband get custody of one of Kelly's children, causing Kelly to hardly ever see that particular child. And at the time of Kelly's disappearance, that arrangement had been going on for seven years. So on the evening of October 15, 1990, Kelly was out with Lester at a dart tournament. Witnesses say that the two got into an argument and left the venue separately. Kelly later arrived at another bar without him. She left there at about 2 a.m. October 16th with some people she knew, including a man, Keith K.C. Brown, who was a tow truck driver. He says he eventually dropped Kelly off two blocks from the rendezvous bar. K.C. said he did this because they both agreed it was out of his way. Kelly never arrived at the bar. She was never seen again. 
Due to conjecture, coincidences, and crimes, there are a multitude of theories and suspects in this case. Some of the popular questions over the past almost 30 years are these. Number one, what role, if any, does Kelly's ex-husband play in her disappearance since he was at the rendezvous bar that night? Number two, why were Lester and others so quick to hand off Kelly's youngest child to a friend of hers, even though Kelly had only been missing for 48 hours? And number three, could two murders not long after Kelly's disappearance be connected to this case? The people who knew Kelly best have a variety of beliefs as to what happened to her. However, none of them believe she ran off. The guest for this episode is Kelly's best friend, Brenda Rismon. Unfound News. I love you 5,000. Yes, that's a reference to Avengers Endgame, but I changed the number. Why? Because the Unfound Podcast discussion group on Facebook went over 5,000 members a couple days ago. Crazy. I can remember when there were only 62 people in there. That was like November 2016. But it's true. I love all of you for joining. Thank you. Next, the Think Tank on Patreon continues to do great work on Sunday evenings. It's always interesting to see how our conclusions compare to the polls in the discussion group. If you're not a Patreon supporter, please consider joining. You'll get a free ebook, access to the private blog, and for certain levels, membership in the think tank. Finally, although I can't tell you the case, I had a discussion with an investigator who was responsible for one of Unfound's disappearances. He contacted me because he found out I had on-the-record conversations with people other than the guest who appeared on the episode. These were discussions I had over Messenger. I passed copies of those conversations on to him promptly. I hope they help. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound live show. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com. Don't forget the reviews. Shirts at myshopify.com. Cards at makeplayingcards.com. And please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the best friend of Kelly Wright Sims, Brenda Rismone. Brenda, welcome to Unfound. Hello. Let's start here. You and Kelly were best friends. Tell the listeners about how you two first met. Did you go to school together? What did you two do together? Interests, things like that. 
Well, to be honest, I don't actually remember how I met Kelly because we were so young. Huh. Um, we were neighbors. We went to school together. Our moms were friends. So I don't remember really life before Kelly not being in it. Uh-huh. That's kind of uh, neat, isn't it? It's kind of neat. She was actually the sister I never had because I was an only child. So I had her as as my sister. And uh, we just, we uh, went and, let's see, we liked to listen to music together. Um, Even if we didn't live close by each other. There's shows that we both like, so we would just sit on the te- uh, on the telephone and uh-huh. watch the show together. Wow. Um, Those know, were the I days, have... right? Those were the days before the yeah. internet and everything else, before Messenger and everything else, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, I have uh, fam- uh, portraits that my mom went and had our picture done together. It wasn't just snapshots. It was at a studio. Uh-huh. So it was just, in fact, when she was pregnant with her last son, her and I had went to the carnival. And we're just walking around. And I looked at her and I said, what are you do? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, you're pregnant. What do you do? She goes, how did you know? Not even my mom knows. And so that's just how our connection was. Yeah. And so you went to elementary school together, high school together? Yes. Wow. Okay. And did you have a lot of classes together? Were you into like uh, sports or cheerleading or? Neither one of us were into sports. Neither one of us was into cheerleading. Uh Um, We didn't even go watch the game. Oh, okay. Now, the one thing we both liked was going to Portland wrestling and watching pro, uh, pro wrestling. Pro wrestling. That's interesting. So, like, uh, Hulk Hogan, is that, uh, and stuff like that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. You liked pro wrestling. Two young women who like pro wrestling. You were certainly in a niche market there. Uh, Brenda, there are not a lot of young women, at least not the way I remember it. I was never really into it, but that's interesting to me. Okay. So you went to high school together and, um, did you stay together after that or did you go separate directions? I know that she ended up getting married and what, what all happened there? So she, um, at about 17, she got pregnant with her first child. Um, her and her boyfriend at the time was going to get married. Well, the baby was born premature and unfortunately the baby did not make it. So we was at the funeral home and she was breaking down and I literally had to pull her away from the, the baby's casket. Yeah. So then she got married and her and her husband moved to California. Um, She had a baby girl there. She was a little premature, but she done fine. Um, And then they came back and they split up and it wasn't on good terms at all. Uh Um, I had to do 
she was living across the street now at that point with her mom, and I was at my mom and dad's. She come running in the house after the day she didn't have to keep her doors locked like Fort Knox. Um, she come running in to use the phone. I found out that her old girl had stopped breathing, so I ran out and chased her mom up and down the street and done CPR on Cassandra. So yeah. then... She was okay, though? The, yep, she's okay. Okay. I okay. Talked to Cassandra. Okay. Um, I made sure Cassandra knew that she had seizures and everything. Um, so down the road, she met her second boyfriend. And that was her, they had a girl, that was her biggest child. Mm-hmm. And then I get the phone call in July of, I'm trying to think of what year it was to see she went missing in 90. So he was born in 88. I get the phone call from her. I had a son. And I didn't have a car. We were nine blocks from the hospital. I was on foot halfway to the hospital when I went, oh, no, he's premature. He wasn't due till October. Wow, that is early. get up there. Yeah, he's two pounds. And I was the only one that got to see him. Uh huh. And I had to go to the room, and she looks at me, and she goes, how is he? And all I could tell her was, he's a fighter. He made it. Yeah. He's now six foot. Wow. Over 200 pounds. Wow. But okay. he don't remember his mom at all. Yeah, it's too young. Too young. So she ended up having a total of three children, two girls and a boy? Yes. Okay. And when, and um, just so we can put a couple names, is, was the first guy Scott? Is that who the first guy was? Yes. All right. Scott yes, Sims. Scott. Okay. So we're going to be talking about him. And do you remember how they met? Um, she actually met him through a mutual friend. Okay. Um, and so they dated. She went and moved in at his parents' house with him. Mm-hmm. And it was not a good relationship. And his mom did not like her. I'm not sure why she they let her live there. Okay. But they would even give him money to take other girls out. Oh my gosh! How he was living there. So oh my gosh! It was not. It was not a good situation at all. And was this the guy that she moved to California with for a little while and then came back? Yes. All right. Yes. So they moved to California and then came back and moved in with his family. Well, they lived with his family and then they moved to California and then come back and moved back in. And they okay. were living there when um, I got the call from her that she was leaving him and needed help to move out. Okay. And what what year would you say that they got divorced? Um, trying to say. Okay, so Cassandra was born in 82 because her daughter mm. and my daughter are the same age. Okay. So it was around the first part of 83 that she 
moved out and they started the divorce. Okay, so they got divorced like seven years before she disappeared. Yeah. Okay, and did you? And we'll talk. We're going to talk about Scott later. But would you say while they were together that you got to know him a little pretty well, or what? No, no. Um, he was always gone with his friends. Okay. And um, so it was just me and Kelly spending time together. Okay. And then at what point? Once again, we'll talk about Scott a little later. He's going to play a factor. Uh, we're going to have to talk about him regarding the disappearance itself. But there's also a guy, Thomas Lester Newton, who I, I know you just call him by his middle name, Lester. Um, how did she meet him? And uh, that was the guy she had the two other children with. Yes. Um, I, I actually think she met him like through pool and stuff. I'm not 100% how she met him. Okay. Um, I wasn't in the pool or anything. So she would go on pool lakes and I didn't go. Oh. Okay. Um, and she also done dart tournaments too. Right. Uh, so yeah, she met him. You know, they two had a rocky relationship. She would, you know, he would move out and everything. Um, they, I knew they argued, mm -hmm. and I knew she burnt his clothes once. Wow. Okay. But as for them physically touching each other, I never seen or heard of. No violence, just a lot of yelling back and forth. Yeah. But no slapping, hitting, scratching, choking, right. anything like right. that. Right. Okay. Right. And we should say if she was into pool, we don't mean like a swimming pool. We mean like billiard, shooting the balls on yeah. the table yeah. because we have yeah. – I have international listeners. I don't know if that word translates to – other countries, oh, but billiards, okay. you know, so the balls that are on the, the table and you shoot them, put them in the pockets. Okay. So she was into that and she was into darts as well. And those, that's going to both play a factor in her disappearance. Okay. So that was Thomas Lester Newton. Would you say that you knew him better than Scott? Yes. Yes. Because I would go over, they had their own house. And at one point they only lived a block up from me. Okay. And so, um, I would go to their house and, you know, so, and most of the time he was there drunk. Oh. And um, Kelly and I had a friend that was a singer in a band. So I would go pick her up or he would pick us up and take us to where he was playing. And if I would show up there and, I'd, you know, for us to go, Lester would kind of, no, you don't need to go out. And then he would come out and he'd go, oh, it's Brenda. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he never said, I'm guessing somebody would come by to pick her up or she'd want to go with and he didn't approve of, but yeah. he had no problem of her going anywhere with me. Okay, so they might have been fighting and everything, but it doesn't sound like he was... Might have been controlling in some ways, but not in that way. If she wanted to go out with you and to go to a band, she was allowed to do that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Or she was permit. She could do that. Not that any woman yeah. ever needs any permission, but she could do that, and he wouldn't give her a hard time about it. Okay. Right. Okay. So um, these uh, the the child that she had with Scott was this child Cassandra. I guess her name is. Were they all living together with? All three of them, the, the children, or did – who had custody of Cassandra once Kelly got with Lester? 
So before Kelly even met Lester, um, Kelly was living in her mom's. Cassandra was a baby. Uh, she went out with a, a friend that we both knew. Um, you know, just went out as friends. She come home and again, that's another night. Our I'm laying on the couch with my baby, and she comes running in the door, and I look at her, and the first thing I not think is Scott's pulling something, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I look at her, and she gets on the phone, and she calls 911. Well, her mom would not allow her in the house to get to Sandra. So the police show up. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, or just after. The police show up and they said, okay, just come back in the morning and then pick up your daughter. Well, you know, by then it's a late night. You're tired. Finally get to sleep. She gets up in the morning to go across to get Cassandra to find out her mom had already called Scott. And because there was no legal divorce at this point, they both have custody. She turned Cassandra over to Scott. Scott started the proceedings to get custody, and her mom went in on Scott's behalf because his family said, we'll let you see Cassandra whenever you want. I got to tell you, I've heard a lot of um, family stories. And doing this program, obviously off confidentially, confidentially and actually in public interviews like we're doing now, that is one of the strangest I've heard ever. Yeah. Where a mother yeah. takes the former son-in-law's side and not her own daughter's. That's a first. Yeah. I don't want to get too deep into this, but why do you think that was? You, She was your best friend. You lived right next door. You knew her mother. What was going on there? That's how her mom is. To this day. To be honest. Off of this, uh-huh. she is the same way with her her youngest daughter. All right. So, so it wasn't a Kelly thing. It was a mother thing. It wasn't because of yeah. something that Kelly was into or her personality or her behavior, her life. It was just that's the way her mother always was. Yes. Yes. And what about Kelly's father? We actually, and as I say we, because Kelly never met her legal father either. Um, Her mom and him was never married. He was a military man. Uh, We seen one photo of him. We know a name, but we, we don't know anything about him. Okay. So, um, her okay. stepdad, she took his last name. See. And then when her mom left him, she brought Kelly to Washington and she left their two children in California with him. Wow. And so Scott ends up having custody of Cassandra because of the mother. Yes. Okay, and did that continue throughout the rest of the 1980s until her disappearance, or what? Yes, yes. It did. Well, no, Scott Scott didn't. Um, I take that back. Uh, he turned custody over to his parents. 
Oh, okay. And so the Scott's yeah. parents raised Cassandra. Yes. And so when would you say before Kelly's disappearance? When would you say is the last time she actually saw her daughter Cassandra? Uh, Cassandra was probably about five. So, so it was a yeah, few yeah. years. It was a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they all lived in the same town. Yeah. Kelly, uh, being that you were best friend and I know you were a singer, that had to really be tough on her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. That's a very complex situation. I think one of the most complex ones that I've, I can remember in, involving any case that I've covered for Unfound. So that's really, um, uh, it sounds like a bad situation to me because it does, you know, I can understand it. You know, was Kelly into drugs? Did she have any addictions? You know, I can, I can say Kelly liked to go out and drink. Mm -hmm. I know she did smoke some pot. Um, not that that's okay, but I could show up at Kelly's house anytime. I never called her and said, Hey, I'm coming over. Do you care if I come over? Mm -hmm. I would just show up at her door. Okay. And I can say I never, ever seen the signs of her ever. using any drugs. Okay. So there was no reason, because we do run into that with this program, both for men and women who have been into drugs and, you know, their kids get taken away from them and are raised by grandparents and other people. But that was not this case. That was not the no. reason for this. This was no. something going on with... Her mother, Norma, who yeah, but treated her other daughter the same way. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. I just wanted to make sure we, the listeners, you know, understood what was going on in Kelly's life during the, you know, 80s, late 1980s. Very complex situations going on here. More than one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did Kelly have a job? What did she do for money? What did she do? Uh, no, Lester worked at a transmission shop. Okay. And he he supported them. Okay. Even though it sounds like you told me he had a drinking issue though, but he still was yeah. able to yeah. bring the money yeah. home. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's everything that was going on in Kelly's life throughout the 1980s. But let's take it uh, closer to the time of her disappearance. Um, when was the last time you actually saw her? before she disappeared i showed up at her house about four days before just popped over to see her no mm -hmm. no reason you know just our normal now pop over and say hi and see how you're doing and sit and visit and stuff and uh-huh i sit there talking to her you know we're talking about the kids you know Thomas is 14 months old. He's not walking yet because of him being so premature. Yeah. And um, he's a little curly-headed, red-headed. It's as cute as can be. And so we're just sitting there visiting and stuff. And she told me that her and Lester went for a drive uh, like the day or two days before. And they got into an argument. And she goes, he made me get out and walk. And so she shows me the bottom of her feet, and you could see blisters. I mean, oh, I said, ouch, you know, that hurts. And she goes, yeah. She goes, but then he let me back in. And so 
I said, okay. So, you know, and she was just, she was her normal self. And it, it seemed like they had bickered and he just made her walk a little too far. And she was fine with it. She didn't, you know, and she didn't seem scared, nothing. And when I went to there about an hour or so, and I said, well, I need to get home. I need to get Sharina ready for um, bed. And she goes, oh, don't go yet. And I said, I'll be back. And she goes, okay. And that was the last time I saw her. Last time I saw her. Just seemed like a regular day to you. Didn't seem like there was anything she told you about anything that was else was going on besides it seems nope. maybe normal stuff with Lester. But any talk about her ex husband Scott maybe uh, you know appearing nope. out of nowhere, nope. calling her, any nope. stalking her, any but anything like that at nope. all? Nope, nothing. Nope. Okay. And so what you're saying is four days before her disappearance, if somebody would have told you four days from now that she was going to disappear, that would have been very surprising to you. It would have yes. been shocking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did she and seem I, happy? I mean, did she seem happy? Yeah, she did. And if I would have seen any signs of that I thought something was going on, that I thought there was an abuse going on, that I thought, you know, I wouldn't have left her until I got her to come home with me. Right. Right. Okay. And did you see Lester there? I mean, how did how did he normally treat you when you went over there? Lester, normally when I would go over there, he would say hi, and he would just go in the bedroom or go out, depending on the weather. If it was uh-huh. nice weather, he would go sit in the backyard and drink his beer. Okay. Normally, you know, if it was, like, cool or anything, he would just go in the bedroom with his beer. Uh-huh. He just let us be the business. All right, <laughs> which is which is probably what most women want, right? When they come over, the guys just go down the basement to the man cave, and you ladies get to talk upstairs and you know talk about whatever, right? Right. And, and, and it's been like that always. So, okay. You know, it was nothing unusual. Okay, I'm sure more, more women wish the men would do that. See, they were the guy. He wasn't trying to like listen in on the conversation or trying to control yeah, the conversation. No. Okay. No, he could care less what we talked about. Or... <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move up to the day of the disappearance. Like you said, the last time you saw her was four days before this. So we will now take the listeners up to October 15th slash 16th of 1990. What do you remember about – now we have to remember she seemingly disappeared in early the next morning. But the day before, what do you know that she did? So, what I know is she had a dark game that night. Um, she went, her and Lester went and played darts at uh, Tim's Tavern in Kelso, Washington. Uh, she left uh, the baby. Thomas was a babysitter. Said she'd be home that night. Cause, uh, Cassandra, you know, she was at her grandparents and Brittany right was with Kelly's mom. Um, So she went and played darts. From what I've talked to people that was at the dart play, uh, Tim's Tavern, they said that Kelly and Lester was arguing. 
There is mm -hmm. two different statements from Lester in the file. I mm -hmm. have it here. One says he left before she did. She was still there. The other one says they left at the same time and went different ways. And that was from Lester. So that part, I do not know. She walked up to Brasserelle. She went in to have a couple drinks. She ran into uh, Casey Brown, which I knew him my whole life. And uh, Robert Corser, I don't know him. Okay. And Bobby, Bobby Joe, which she has known her for years because Bobby Joe's, I think his aunt is friends with her mom. So somehow, you know, she's known her. Okay. Uh, Bobby Joe's car had broke down from what I'm told. Casey was a tow truck driver. So he went and got his tow truck. He talked to Bobby Joe's mom. She worked at another tavern. They went, they picked it up at closing time. They closed the bar, got some beer at the store, drove it to Castle Rock, dropped the car and Bobby off. And then Casey's report says that he dropped Robert off and then went on his uh, path towards, you know, and Kelly said, drop me off here. That way you can just go over the bridge and head on home because he lived in Longview. And he still had to drop the tow truck off and get his car and then go home, get some sleep before getting up to go to work. All right, let's let's do this a little summary. So uh, Lester and Kelly are together. They play this dart tournament. There are witnesses that say they got into an argument. And either one left before the other or they both left together. All we know is that... Kelly, at some point, very shortly after that, ended up at another bar by herself, and Lester wasn't there. Okay? Yeah. We don't know. Maybe he went home. Maybe he went somewhere else. We don't know. She runs exactly. into these other people, uh, Keith Casey Brown, and we'll just call him Casey because I know that's what you call him. He's a tow truck driver. We have this Robert guy, and then we have a, a young woman, Bobby Joe. Her car breaks down. Casey says he'll help her out. Kelly, I guess, decides to tag along for this uh, yeah. towing, towing adventure. And yeah. eventually it ends up that it's late, it's past midnight into the next morning. And who is in the truck when she so, is let out about two blocks away from this other bar she was allegedly head, headed to, the Rendezvous Bar? Who was in the truck? In, in Casey's statement, it is him and it, it is Kelly. Okay, just the two of them. That's what that's what his statement says. Yeah. All right. So Robert was gone. Bobby Joe was gone. Of course, being that it was her car that was getting um, towed. Of course, she would probably end up where the car was towed to. And then Robert yes. got dropped uh, off. And then Casey was going someplace, and he and he was going to drop Kelly off at a certain spot, and she'd have to walk the rest of the way. Well, no, he, he would have taken her. He would have drove her to even the rendezvous. Okay. Like, Kelly was the type that she did not mind walking. Okay. And the time of the hour or the distance did not scare her. Okay. All right. So, so it's in the morning. At what, close to what intersection in Kelso, Washington, does he say, Casey say, that he dropped Kelly off? 
Allen Street and South Pacific. Okay. Is that an area of town you know well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And do you think that Kelly knew it well? She wouldn't have any concerns about being dropped off there at, let's say, 2 oh, in the morning no, or 3 or 2 in the morning? She wouldn't have no problems being dropped off there at okay. all. Okay. And so and she left him with the impression that she was headed to the rendezvous bar. Yeah, to play a couple games of pool. And then uh, she would be walking on home and while well, walking to the babysitter, getting Thomas and then going home. Would you say that it was normal for Kelly to be out that late like that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, she, and it, we do have to also understand, uh, I have to remember this being that I used to live in Las Vegas. It does seem odd to me that some of these places would be out open past 2 a.m. That's usually like shut down time. Can you explain that, that some places okay. would be open past so that in Kelsey? Rendezvous was, it was not just a tavern, it was a restaurant. So they were open 24 hours. Hmm. Even though they did not say it as serve alcohol, you could go in, you could play pool, and you could eat. Okay. And was that a normal hangout for Kelly? She'd been there many times? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was a very normal place for her to go. Okay. And how many blocks, how far of a walk, in, in, let's put it in time just to keep it easy, how long do you think a walk would be from where she got allegedly got dropped off to the rendezvous bar? Uh, knowing how she walked about five minutes. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Okay. So, um, but what happened? She doesn't reach the rendezvous part, does she? No. No. Um. So she doesn't make it to the rendezvous bar. When is the first time that somebody, who is it? When is it that somebody realizes, you know what? Uh, Kelly's missing or she didn't come home that who was the first person to notice that and what happened? So what happened is the babysitter, from what I'm told, knocked on Lester's door, Kelly and Lester's door, um, when she was headed to work. I don't know what time that was on the morning of the sixteenth, because Thomas was not picked up. Uh so Lester worked in the transmission shop, so he got a hold of his mom. He took the baby to his mom's. He went to work and then called Norma from work, Kelly's mom, and mm. said, hey, do you know where Kelly is? She didn't pick up Thomas. So she knew nothing, so she called me and said, hey, do you know what happened to Kelly? She didn't pick up Thomas. Mm -hmm. And so I called Lester at work and said, hey, Norma just called me. What's going on? Do you need any help? Because I knew Lester's mom has had medical issues. Okay. And Thomas was very young. And he said, uh, well, can you go to my mom's and pick up Thomas? Okay. So I did. Okay, and what happened? So we're still not sure what happened to Kelly. Babysitters let everybody know. Lester doesn't know. Norman doesn't know. And we'll get back to her in a moment. But so it comes back to you. 
and you take on the responsibility of taking care of their their youngest, their son. And so what happens when you go over there? So I go over there to pick up Thomas, thinking I'm just going to get a baby and some diapers and, you know, some clothes and, you know, maybe something to sleep in, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I get everything. I get all of his clothes. Every bit. Well, I wasn't really thinking that that was, that was unusual. And he tells me, meet me at Peter's, which is a restaurant slash lounge. And he would drink his lunch in the lounge. Um, meet me in Peter's at my paydays and I will give you money for whatever Thomas needs. So I met him up there. I don't remember how much it was, but he gave me money that I needed to buy whatever the baby needed. Uh-huh. And Norma started custody things for Thomas. And because of Thomas being partly Native American, they wanted to put him in foster care at first. And Norma said no, because a Native American baby has to be in the Native American home. And right. she said, I'll bring in the Native Americans, you know, so okay. they gave me temporary custody. All right. So let's, so Kelly is part Native American, yes. right? Okay. And Lester is part Native American. No, I don't no, know he's what not. Lester is. No, you know, okay. We don't know where Lester But Kelly is. Okay. <laughs> But here we are. Are you saying like within virtually 24, 48 hours, they're trying to give custody to somebody else, even though Kelly's just, I mean, she could have come back that day. What? It's hard to understand. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying you're not lying, Brenda, but that's a little hard to understand. Can you maybe go a little further into that, what you were thinking at the time? when? Actually, you know, I, I think because everything was a shock, and knowing that this was not Kelly, I did not stop and go, wait a minute. My concern was making sure Thomas had a place to be and finding Kelly. So instantly, I started making up flyers, uh -huh. handwritten flyers, and taking them to places that I knew she went. Okay. Try to find out where she was. All right. And so you were doing that. When were uh, who filed the police report or the missing persons report regarding Kelly? Her mother filed it on the sixteenth. On the sixteenth. So that later that day. Later that day, yeah. so there wasn't really any a lot of time between. I take that back. The seventeenth. Seventeenth. Okay, so the next day, seventeenth. Yeah. Still not. Still fairly quickly. I think you know, give an adult maybe it may be a day depending on the situation. Yeah. You know, especially if they don't. Uh, you know, we just don't know what happened exactly at this point. But at some point, did the police? So the police get involved, and it was it the police that. We were able to put that whole day together with the darts and then the tow truck and, and, and everything else? Or how did that all happen? Do you yeah. know? 
Yes, it was the police, and then um, I, because since, uh, you know, computers then, mm-hmm. I have been running different pages for Kelly, and I have actually had people to contact me and say, hey, I was out there that night. I seen them fight um, mm-hmm. or argue, um, you know, and just different things like that. I have talked to a few people that seen things that night. Okay. So the police get involved. So the police get, excuse me, uh, the police get involved. And do they talk to Lester? You know, what does he have to say about, we'll get into him a little bit deeper, but what does he say he did after they left the dart tournament? So in one of his, um, his police reports, he said he left before she did. She was still at Tim's Tavern. Okay. His other police report, he said that him and Kelly went out the door at the same time. She went one way, he went another. Okay. And both of them, he said he went home and went to bed. Okay. And we do know that there is proof that other people saw her uh, after that. So um, if Lester could be considered a suspect, it must have happened some other way, but the important part is even if they were having an argument that other people did see Kelly after that, after this dark place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so they please talk to him. And were there any searches done in the area between where she was dropped off and the rendezvous? As far as I know, and I see no information in the, the police of the file. Okay. That there was any ground search done. I did see one that it said they they did search Kelly and Lester's residence. Okay. And were the police able to track down people who worked or were at the rendezvous to verify for sure that she never arrived? Uh, yes, there is a okay. um, report from the, uh, the waitresses in there too. Okay. So nobody saw her there. Okay. All right, let's move on. So that's what we have. We have this uh, woman who allegedly was dropped off a couple blocks at like 3 in the morning from a place that she said she was headed to go shoot some pool at 2.33 in the morning, and she never made it. Let's move on to what we usually call the rest of the case. We're going to get a little deeper into some of this, and we're going to reveal some more facts that may point us in some different directions, but we're just not sure. Let's go back to the tow truck guys um we have casey who was the main guy driving the truck and it was there was also other guy robert and then bobby joe in what order were they dropped off that night did they leave the truck after they left tim's tavern so they drove to castle rock bobby joe and the car was dropped off okay they come back into kelso and according to Casey's statement, he drops off Robert at a guy's house that Robert's going to stay with okay. and sleep on the couch, you know, okay. just crash for the night. Then he comes on and he's going to drop Kelly off. He comes up to the, the intersection. Kelly goes, hey, just let me off here. I'm just going to go over to rendezvous, play a couple of games of pool before going home. You have to 
go across the bridge anyhow to head home because he lived in Longview and he still had to drop the tow truck off, get his car, drive across town, literally, uh-huh. get some sleep before getting up, going back, getting the tow truck through the day. Okay. So he just, oh, okay, you know, and did it. Okay. Uh, is that so? That's the story that Casey told the police. Yes. Okay. To your knowledge, does Robert and Bobby Joe's statements, where they talked to the by the police, do you believe that their stories are the same as Casey's? So I seen Robert. Bobby Joe's talks about running into him at the the brass rail. Um, going, getting her car because it was broke down, going to Castle Rock. She offered for them to come in, but they said, no, we got to get going. So um, Robert's statement, one, he thought he was still in the truck with Casey when Kelly was dropped off. And then two, the second one, he goes, I don't know if I was dropped off first. He, I was too intoxicated. So he can't remember if he was in the truck or not when Kelly got out of it? Yeah. Well, that's not encouraging. That's that's okay. All right, that's okay. That's a statement. That's a statement. Do you think the police, uh, to your knowledge, in the last 29 years, does that has that ever raised any question marks in the police? No. The law enforcement's no. head? Okay. No. Okay. It's almost like Kelly's just kind of got swept under the rug. Okay, and we'll, of course, talk about that. All right, KC. Now, you didn't know Robert very well, but you admitted that you knew KC very well. And we'll, mm-hmm. we will say uh, his name against uh, once again here, uh, KC Brown. And what is his real first name? Keith? Keith. Keith Brown. And they called him KC. Okay. You knew him for a while. Uh, at that time, was he married? Did he have a girlfriend? Any kids? What was his he, status? He wasn't married. Um, he was living in the family home by himself. Uh, it's another situation that my parents knew his parents before we were born. So we knew each other. We grew up together our whole life. Um, mm. You know, it's as far as I know, you know, he was working and doing what he had to do and went out now and then on the weekends. Okay. Okay. Um, anybody ever been able to dispute his story? Uh, anybody ever say that maybe he didn't get back to his home at the time that he said? Of course, the only person that would know if he's living at home would be his parents. Any stories about maybe maybe going to get into late work late the next day? Anything like that? There has been nothing mentioned about showing up work late. Uh, late. Um, both of his parents were deceased, so he was living in the home by oh, himself. So he was there by himself. Um, yeah. Um, okay. I, I seen Casey when his brother passed away at his brother's funeral. And uh-huh. the first thing he said to me was, Brenda, did they ever find her? And I said, no, we haven't heard anything. And he just looked at me and he goes, they need to find her. You need closure. 
Because he knew oh. how close Kelly and I were. What year was this? Uh, let's see. Larry passed away in... See, my dad passed away in 14. So it was about 2012 or 13. Somewhere okay. in there. Did you ever get... Being that you knew Casey, did you ever talk to him shortly after Kelly disappeared? No, no, I didn't because now I have a 14 month old and mm-hmm. I am busy trying to put flyers up and okay. I have a nine year old of my own. Okay. So you didn't get to talk to him right after she disappeared, even though you knew that he was one of the, maybe the last person to see her that we know of, yeah, you know, and, no, and um, no. but you never, despite knowing him, you never had a deep conversation with him about that night. No, no. Okay. All right. So he's living at home by himself. So I, I, I'm not here to point fingers at him, but let, let's just put this on the record. We have no verification of his story. That's his story. Yeah. It could be true, but there's no corroboration of it. Right. Nobody saw her get out of the truck. Nobody saw her walking. Um, even nobody saw her at his place or, or anything like that. We just don't know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about Scott Sims, who is Kelly's ex-husband. They'd been divorced for about seven years. Uh, This is, uh, I guess, um, I don't know what kind of situation it is, but it seems a little coincidental, but maybe not. Um, Where was he the night that Kelly disappeared? In the rendezvous. He was at the exact place where Kelly was walking to. Yes. How did you find that out? How did the police find that out? What was the process? Through through the waitresses. um, Because it so happened he was talking to one of the waitresses, mentioning going to Kelso High. She went to Kelso High. They started talking, and she found out who he was. Um, At the time, he was single. So, you know. I'm not sure how their conversation was, you know, mm-hmm. but he he was talking to her. Um, okay. And I also was told, and it's in there, that she just said that he was bad-mouthing Kelly and said that Kelly had abused Cassandra, which Kelly would never abuse a child. So are we to believe that seven years after his divorce, he's still bad-mouthing his ex-wife to a waitress at a bar at three in the morning? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, What did Scott do when uh, the police or whoever found out that he was there? uh, Well, uh, in his statement, he said he wasn't there. Um. First, he said he was at work. Well, they got his work records, and he was not at work. So Mm -hmm. then he said he was at a different bar, which closed at 2. Well, he wasn't there. So um, I seen nothing after. I seen nothing where the police said, hey, we have this proof. You weren't here. You weren't here. They, you know, a waitress says you were here at rendezvous. 
I see nothing in the file that that shows that they confronted him about it. Okay, and then did he finally come clean on it? No. So, to this day, he has never officially admitted that he was at the rendezvous bar that night? No. No. Okay. All right, even though a waitress says he was there, and I think you also told me maybe that a bartender saw him there? Yes. Okay. Did they remember, are they sure it was the same night slash morning? Yes. There was two of them working, and they both said he was there. Okay. When do you think and was now mind you please this is a very small building. Mm-hmm. It has one pool table in the middle with a bar and some tables around it. It does so sound pretty not small. Only, yes. Not only is it three o'clock in the morning, so there's not many people, it's a small place too. Okay. When do you think was the last time that Kelly and Scott even saw each other? I'm not saying they saw each other that night, but before, when was the last time they would have seen each other? According to Scott's statement, which I, until reading it, had no idea, he ran into her in the brass rail in June. And he stated she dumped the beer over the top of his head. Okay, so four months before. And he said he got kicked out of the brass rail for three days. Okay. It don't say uh, what led up to it. It okay. don't nothing, so. <laughs> okay. Um, but you would say, though, that for Kelly and Sky, if they did see each other at the brass rail, that would have been uh, by coincidence. They they would never have planned to see each no. other. No. Yeah, okay. And once again, in talking to Kelly for those seven years after she got divorced, did she ever say anything that, hey, I think Scott's stalking me. I think Scott's following no. me. I think he's parking down the street. No. Nothing. Anything like that? No. Okay. All right. So people say he was at the rendezvous bar coincidentally where Kelly says – uh, she was uh, headed to, at least that's what she told Casey. Did she tell anybody else that night, maybe at the Dark Tournament or at Tim's, this other place, that she was going to be heading to the rendezvous place? Nobody mentioned that. The ones I talked to, nobody mentioned it. Okay. All right. Do you think there's any way, the way you understand that town of Kelso and Kelly and everything, is there any way that she could have known that? That Scott could have known that Kelly was going to that bar. Anyway, the way it was situated, um, you would not see her if she was walking down the main road because it was on a side street. So if she turned the corner and got up by the, it had big glass windows mm-hmm. and got up, they could see each other but until she got there by that place they wouldn't see each other okay or she might have seen his car right and so is your opinion it's possible that she might have gotten to the rendezvous either seen his car or seen through the window that he was in there and said well i'm not going in there that's a possibility yes okay 
All right. Do you know if the police ever searched Scott's house, his car? Did uh, he ever take a lie detector? Maybe going back to KC, did he ever take a lie detector? Any, any either of them? I, I see no, no, nothing for lie detectors for any of them. Okay. And as for Scott's car, I see nothing on searches for his car either. All right, so we don't know. All right. Uh. I guess if we're to believe this uh, waitress that Scott was still complaining about Kelly, his ex-wife, after seven years. I, okay, I've never been married, so so I've never been divorced, so I don't know what that's about. I don't know if that would be something a lot of divorced people do or not. But how do you believe Scott felt about Kelly and being divorced and, and everything else? Well, uh, in his statement, because he went back to rendezvous, um, it was within oh, a week he went back in there and was talking to a waitress and was saying it really bugs him that Kelly had not been found. And even with their past, he still cared about her. Okay. All right. Okay. What is uh, Scott uh, done with his life since 1990? Um, got hooked on drugs. Did he? Then got clean, got married, and had another child. And I think divorced. I'm not sure. Okay. Did he have any other, to your knowledge, any major run-ins with the law? Any issues, you know, regarding is the next woman he was with, you know, hitting them or anything like that? To your knowledge? Not that I've heard of. I. I have no idea on that. Okay. And I should have asked you about KC as well. I know you only ran into him once at a funeral, but do you have any idea what he's did with his life after 1990? So what's really strange is he actually married um, the daughter to another friend of my mom's. Huh. And he's uh, still a tow truck driver. Okay. Um, he was raising her or helped raise her children. They are split up right now. She's after losing two brothers. She's just, as her mom says, she hopes she can get her life turned around. And the the mom of his wife um, still has Casey over for holiday dinners. All right. To your knowledge, has Casey had any problems with the law? Once again, any I think, uh, did, I think he had some drug run in. Okay, anything violent? No. Okay. All right. Okay, so we have uh, we've talked about those two guys. That takes us back to, and we're going to talk about Norma a little bit again uh, before this is all over. But uh, I want to talk about Lester now. We have to maybe we have to remind the listeners we've talked about a few other guys in the meantime that he says that after the darts he went home, and then of course he got up, went to work. Kelly wasn't there. Doesn't seem like that bothered him too much. And it wasn't until the babysitter, you know, kind of let everybody know that um, you know something wasn't right. That Lester, you know, started doing something to the point where you ended up with his son. So, um. Were the, so the kids were at the, the babysitters. Um, did the police question him? Has he ever been 
Uh, any lie detector test? Is there anything that contradicts his story that he went home after darts? Anything like that? They There is the two statements. The one that said that he left before her. The second one that said that he left at the same time. Mm-hmm. There is no lie detector test. Um, and there's nothing proving either way what he did. It's early in the morning. It's perfectly easy to believe that nobody saw him go home. Perfectly understandable. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Okay. However, the the child thing is still uh, a little strange. Uh, less than twenty four hours later, they're basically giving you the son and all of his stuff as if you're going to raise this son or something. Um, uh, you've never talked to any of them about that in the last twenty nine years to for them to try to explain why they handle things that way. Norma's reason was she didn't want Thomas with Lester. Um, and so she was doing it to make sure that Thomas was in a safe environment. Lester, you would never find him sober to uh-huh. really talk to him. Okay. It certainly does seem with Norma, she can't wait to give her grandkids away. Gave one, took one away from her daughter to give to her divorced, to the son-in-law that's not even married to her daughter anymore, and then she was quick to give you the son. Well, That's a perception. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I'm not yeah, saying it exactly yeah. that way, but I don't know these people. It does sound a little strange. Well, see, and she's, at this point, Norma has Brittany, which is Kelly's other daughter, and mm. she has her son's three children. Wow. So she said, I have all of these children. If Mm. I get custody, will you raise Thomas? And I said, well, yeah. And she goes, okay, I will give you the money that, you know, I get from the state for Thomas to buy what he needs. And I said, okay, so now I have him and it's Thanksgiving and I get a call from her. I just got the paperwork. I I have custody of Thomas. I want him. And I said, okay. And she goes, well, bring him and drop him off. And I said, no, I won't do that to Thomas. I am not going to drop him off and not know how life goes and him just be dropped off in somebody's, another person's doorstep. And you never know how life will go. You never know if you'll stop talking to these people, even though you've known them for years. And this child never see you again. Yeah. And so right. her enormous boyfriend came over and picked up everything that I had for Thomas, which was literally a small Datsun pickup ball. In wow. Wow. Okay. So you raised him for a little while? Yeah. Okay. And in all of this, once again, it was just, it seems to me my perception, I'm sure the listeners are thinking the same thing. It's the perception is like everybody automatically knew that Kelly wasn't coming back. Everybody was very quick to try to find a place for the the, the son and, and everything else, never thinking, well, what happens if Kelly shows up tomorrow? Already this paperwork and everything's getting started. And she comes back. 
and you know, I'm and looking back, it should have been a big red flag for me. Mm-hmm. But I was just trying to do what I could to one help Thomas and to find out where Kelly was. Yeah. I that was where my focus was. Okay. Did Norma in in dealing with her and trying to figure out the situation for Kelly's son, did she ever say anything about Kelly's disappearance and what she believed happened? No. No. Never. Never. And I realized they had a unique relationship. So, but yeah. even with that, she never said that, well, I think Scott did something. I think she ran off. I think Lester did something. Nothing like that ever. No, she always had, even with everything that happened and her not getting to see the oldest granddaughter, she always had Scott on a pedestal. Huh. Okay. And she couldn't stand Lester. Okay. What did Lester uh, do with his life after Kelly disappeared? Still continued to work at the transmission shop, drink his life away, get back to an ex and have another child. So after Kelly went back to one of his ex-girlfriends and had kids together? Yes. Okay. Now, and we're not going to talk about we don't talk about theories and we're certainly not going to get into what you believe happened in this case. Cause I just really don't usually go there with guests, but yeah. um, you did end up though, having an encounter, a couple things. First of all, let's talk about the encounter that you had with Lester. I, I'm guessing this was a coincidence. You just happened to run into him somewhere. You had a conversation with him and, and tell the listeners about that conversation. When was it? 2014, I don't remember the exact month, I was in Kelso. My dad had been ill, um, needed something to drink or something. So we were right there by Safeway, stopped at Safeway, went in. It was a warm day, got what he needed, um, come walking out, and there stood Lester, brown bag in hand. Um, I always knew when he was intoxicated, which I hardly ever seen him not intoxicated. Okay. So I stopped and I said, Lester. And he just looked at me. He didn't know who I was. And I go, it's Brenda. And he goes, oh, hi. And I said, hi, how are you? And I always, if I did see him, I would just talk to him. Like when I went to get the money to help raise Thomas or, you know, whatever. I never tried to pull stuff out of him. I always hoped the alcohol would help him talk. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to put a guard up in, on him. So he was talking and stuff. And he he said something and... I never brought Kelly up, and he just looked at me, and he goes, yeah, they asked me why I hit her so hard that day. And I looked at him, and now I'm trying to keep my composure, but still wanting him to talk. I said, oh, really? And he goes, 
yeah, and then he just got this look on his face like, oh, my God, what did I just tell her? And he stopped talking. Say it again, please, for the listeners. Just say that again so they can hear it again. What did he say? He got this look on his face like, oh, my God, what did I just tell her? Mm -hmm. And he stopped talking. Okay, but what did he say? What was the comment again that that made him stop talking? That everybody, caught, caught everybody asked him why he hit her so hard. Huh. Now, who do you think he meant by everybody? Because once again, earlier in this conversation, you said that you didn't think that the two had a physically abusive relationship. From what his family's ex spouses has told me that if anything happened between them, his family would know about it. Mm -hmm. His brothers, his cousins, they were tight as tight could be. Okay. So he's made that statement to you. Everybody says I shouldn't have hit her that hard. Now, to your knowledge, he never hit her. Exactly. And then after that, he kind of, once again, we weren't there. You were there. And and I'm sure if I could have him on the program, he'd say he never said it. So this, you know, we know how that would go. But yeah. um, he seemed like he thought that shouldn't have come out of his mouth. Exactly. And so he kind of, he quit talking. Again, I have my dad with me who is terminally ill. He's going, we got to go, Brenda, we got to go. Of course, my dad is not standing next to me. He does not hear the conversation. He does not know what's going on. Yeah. He just knows I'm talking to somebody, and at this point, he probably don't even know who Lester is. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get my dad home off of his feet, but I don't want to lose my conversation with Lester. So now I need to find a way to get Lester to come over to my house so we can try to finish this conversation. So I tell Lester, I have pictures of the kids. I have pictures of Brittany. I have pictures of Thomas. And Brittany has a daughter. I have pictures of her. Come over. I'll show you pictures of them. Hmm. He says he would, but I never see him or hear from him. So it was 2014, so last five years, you've never seen him or talked to him again? Exactly. Okay. One last thing uh, about Lester. There was this uh, story. Maybe it's a rumor. You know, I feel about these things, but um, being that this would have been something that disappeared with Kelly, there's a story about her ID, and why don't you tell the listeners about that? Her sister, Adrian, her mother, and myself are the ones that moved Kelly's stuff out of the house. Okay. Adrian is a teenager, just had her license when all this happened, had drove by there and seen the front door open and the eviction notice on. The house was trashed. There's a dog running in the house, loose, pooling on everything. So she gets a hold of her mom and says, we need to go over there. We need to get what we can if Kelly's out. You know, this is what's going on. 
So Norma gets a hold of me. I said, yeah, I'll go over with you. So we go over there and we're, you know, trying to find like her photo albums, you know, her different things. So we're in different areas of the house, you know, picking stuff up. It was never mentioned until this past year of me talking to Adrian, which is Kelly's sister. Mm-hmm. And she said, Kelly's coat was at the house. I said, okay. And she goes, and her purse. I said, okay. She goes, but it was October. I said, Adrian. Now, mind you, she is younger than us. She did not go out with us. I said, when Kelly and I went out, we did not wear coats. We did not take purses. Our ID and our money went in the back pocket of our jeans. I mm-hmm. said, so, no. And she goes, but her ID was on the TV. And I said, what? wait a minute, her what? She goes, I am positive I seen her ID on the TV. I said, that would have been with her. But she didn't say this until, like, recently, and this is 1990. Exactly. Yes. She didn't think that was a big deal back then. I guess not. Did anybody else yeah. happen to see? I, I realize what you're saying about the coat and the and the purse and everything, but uh, how long this this eviction and everything that was going on? How long was this after she disappeared? Kelly disappeared. Um. So it was the end of the beginning of the next month. So that fast. Yes. So she disappears on October 16th, and already the beginning of November, there's an eviction notice. Yes. Why do you have any idea why that happened? I'm guessing the condition of the house and Lester probably wasn't. Um, who knows? Maybe Lester hadn't even paid rent in October. I don't know. Okay. So it seems that if Kelly disappeared, she and Lester would have been moving out anyway because they were going to get evicted. Probably. probably. Okay. And I do know they did move in a few different times so i don't know what to make of the id story i i have to admit in general when i hear important facts like that pop up so many years later by seemingly somebody even if visitors even if it is her sister i really don't know what to make of it you know the longer something that comes out after a disappearance the less i trust it just to be honest with you i didn't see it and i am one for facts yeah. I did let the police department know what she said. In fact, I told her to call them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she said there was bags of lye in the backyard. <laughs> now, none of this is in this report. Yeah. She, and I didn't go out in the backyard, so I can't tell you there was bags of lye in the backyard. She said she brought it up to the officers. The officers said, oh, that's for their tomato garden. Well, I don't know who plants tomatoes in October, but okay. Yeah. Um, And again, this is something that she's never brought to my attention until recently. Right. Okay, so we're just going to – we'll just leave that at that. I mean, uh, you'd think that a sister of somebody who went missing would be a reliable source, but I I just – 
I just don't know what to make of that. I'm not saying she's lying. Maybe it's anxiety. Yeah, maybe she just saw something else. Maybe uh, yeah, I just I don't know. It's been so long. Okay. Let's talk about a couple other guys uh, that are for sure convicted murderers. Um, they are Keith Barton and Marty Ogden. Let's talk about Keith first. Who is he? Keith Barton? Um, personally, I do not know him. Mm-hmm. I do know he was convicted of killing another girl that we went to school with, Kelly Self. He dismembered her body. Uh, last I heard, not all of her body had been located. Okay. And this was, this was in 1990 though, and it was in Kelso, Washington. No, actually it was a year later. A year later. Okay. And it was in October. Huh. And he, he done it in Longview at his apartment. Okay. And then put her body out on some walking roads or something like that. All right, and her remains were found, and he was eventually convicted of that murder. Yeah. But that is in yeah. the. Uh, this is, like you said, maybe the next year, but uh, it was in the area. He did kill her. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. Kelly South uh, a, a young woman that you or Kelly knew? We went to school with her. You did? Yeah. Huh. And do you remember at the time when she went missing and then was found murdered? Do you remember that? Um, I I didn't know she went missing. Uh-huh. Um, I do remember when she was found. Um it was shocking. Uh we went to middle school and high school with uh-huh. her and her twin sister. Okay. Okay, and there is something, though, that somebody said that maybe Keith Barton and Kelly, the Kelly we're covering in this episode, Kelly Sims, uh, might have had a run-in at some point before she disappeared. Why don't you tell listeners about that? Another girl that we grew up with, Lavina, had made the comment, and I do not know if Lavina was there when this was supposed to have happened. But she said that Kelly had run into, we just call him Barton to keep the name straight okay. because of Keith, mm-hmm. um, had run into Barton in the brass rail. Words were said, I do, know, do not know what was said, and she said that Kelly Sims looked at Barton and told him, you ain't no man. Hmm. Any idea how long this was before she disappeared? No, she did not give no time frame of when. Okay. And when did you first hear about this story? Uh, I had ran into Lavina. I don't know. It was probably about six months after Kelly disappeared. Okay. And she asked me if I knew about the incident with no, 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 no. Back up, back up. It okay. was after Kelly. It was after Kelly South. Oh, okay. I had ran into her. And okay. She asked me if I knew about the encounter. That's what happened. Okay. 
Lavina and I, our, our run-ins were sporadic, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe there's something there. And, of course, he is a killer. He's in jail. Is he still in jail, I'm guessing? I'm hoping. I I want to say I heard he passed away. Oh, he I'm did. not 100%. Okay. But I want to say I heard he passed away. Okay. So there seemed to be a murder in the midst of the Longview, Kelso area. And it is interesting that. Uh, a young woman that you and Kelly Sims knew, Kelly South, was a victim. Let's talk about then Keith Barton's brother, Marty Ogden. He was also a killer. He killed uh, another woman a couple years later. Um, what about that? As far as I know, he was never convicted. Huh. He was the last person with her. Hers okay. was against in October um, and as like I said as far as I know he's still out okay I thought he'd been convicted of that I might have gotten my information wrong I did not put it explicitly down in my notes so I will check that and I will correct that in the summer if that's not the case but he was okay. he is Keith Barton's brother and he was last seen with this half woman half brother Michelle Lorraine yes and was her body ever found, or is she a missing person? Her partial body was found. Uh-huh. Is she a young woman that you – did you know her? I did not know her, no. Oh, okay. She lived in Kalama, but would come over to the Longview-Kelso area to go to the bars. Okay. So we have one guy that at least went to jail for murder. We have a guy who was last seen with a woman who was seen, was murdered. Uh, I'm going to check that to see if Marty Ogden ever went to jail for that or not. Once again, I did not write that down in the notes. Do you have any idea if either of them have ever been questioned about Kelly's disappearance? As far as I know, no. And there is no papers in the, the police report showing that they have ever been questioned. Okay. I'm not going to ask you what the the uh, you know I know that your ideas have changed a couple times, but let's just go back to this. When you found out that Kelly was missing, and you know, uh, of course, you're around uh, Norma, around Lester, uh, maybe other people who knew Kelly. Was there an overall idea of what could have happened to her? Once again, we're not. Once before, before you knew all these other things, where Scott was, et cetera, or anybody else for that matter, before, of course, before Keith Barton murdered uh, somebody that we know for sure he murdered, do you have an idea about what, when you heard that she was missing, what did you think? When I heard she was missing and she hadn't come home because if she left for more than a weekend, I knew where she was. She would call me up and say, hey, I'm going to the beach or I'm going camping or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that we had to keep contact with each other. It's how we were. Right. When there was no communication from her, I knew something was wrong. Did I know what? No, I had no idea. I was so conflicted on did Scott do something? Did Lester do something? Was she walking somewhere? 
I even wondered about Casey Brown, even though I'd known him all my life, that I'm not the type of person to rule somebody out because Mm -hmm. I know him. Yeah. Okay. So you really weren't sure what to think. Now, of course, once some of this, these facts ended up piling up, we know that you formed an opinion. And then, like I said, over the years, your opinion maybe has changed a little bit. And we're not going to do that because I don't want to influence the listeners in any way. But I know, you know, we've talked about that. Okay. What's this been like for you? Uh, she was, of course, not a relation, but she was like family. You knew her. You even mentioned that you knew her before. You don't even remember meeting her for the first time. That's how long you knew her. But what's this been like for the last 29 years? It's going to be 29 years in October. Heartbreaking. Uh, a part of me left with her. Mm-hmm. I trust no one. Even though my daughter is now 36 years old, I have her to call me to let me know that she's in at night and locked up. Yeah. Because I, I, I have fear. Sure. Sure. When you first started putting putting those uh, posters up around Kelso. Asking if anybody saw her, could you have ever managed that? Imagined that twenty nine years later, she would still not be found, and you'd be still talking about trying to find her. No, no, and I won't give up until I do know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going nowhere. Would you say that this uh, the last twenty nine years, almost twenty nine years, have? flown by or has it been agonizingly so does it seem like agonizing agonizing Agonizing. i even anytime remains are found i call the coroner's office even though kelly's name is listed in the missing person isn't famous i still call to make sure they know kelly's name and how long it's been Mm mm-hmm and one of the corners I called, I literally, he, he literally had started to cry. Hmm. And he got, his words to me were, I hope if anything ever happens to me, I have one person that cares for me as much as you care for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you were the one that was missing, this is what Kelly would have been doing the last 29 years. Probably, yeah. Yep. This is one of those cases, this comes up often when we talk, when we cover these cases that are before the, what we might call the technological age of Facebook and cell phones and everything else. And this is one of those cases where you have to believe that if there was cell phone, if she had a cell phone and calls and texts and everything else, that there would, of course, be a lot more information out there. In fact, the disappearance might be solved at this point because with no... Exactly. Where she was, where a phone pinged, who she talked to last. It, you could verify a lot of these people's stories about what they say happened and where they were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I had was my dad because of his work. He had a, a phone fax in our house, and so I put a piece, uh, put a picture on a piece of paper and hand wrote all of her information around it and ran it through the fax machine to get a copy of it and then just kept making copies. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. how my flyers were made. 
Yeah. And so we have a case where she allegedly got out of this truck, had two blocks to walk, and nobody saw her. Yep. Nobody saw her walking those two blocks. Moreover, if she did see that Scott was in there and didn't want to run into him, nobody saw her walking from the rendezvous bar home either. Right. Okay. It's not a, I mean, it's a lot of residents in this area. Mm-hmm. There is a, a few businesses, but they're all closed at that hour. Yeah. Rendezvous would have been the only one open at that hour. Okay. Do you have a uh, website, Facebook page, anything set up for Kelly's disappearance, Brenda? Yes, I do. I have a Facebook set up, and it is pulling up the name. It's been okay. And you are the one that manages it. Are you the one that started it? Yes. Okay. I am great. The one that started it. I great. am the one that manages it. Great. I. Uh, I had one book previous, but when I moved, I got locked out of my Facebook. So it is called Kelly Diane Wright Sims. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's called? It's like, and, okay, it's not like missing or find anything. It's just no, that? No, no, yes. It's Kelly okay. Diane Wright Sims. Okay. Um, I am the one that I do have my daughter helping me with it um i'm the one that answers the messages and everything so okay well by the time the listeners hear our voices for this interview i will have posted it in several places so they will know you know they'll know all about it and they'll be able to go and and join and follow and share everything you can do there okay okay all right and so like you said i think you said at the beginning that you do post other missing persons cases on there as well Yes, I do. Um, Great. Great. Not only does it keep her page active, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I I make sure, um, like, on holidays, I post about Kelly. Um, Every now and then, I post about her. But you can only share her pictures so many times, you know. It gets repetitive, and then people get to where they don't follow it. Right. So um, I make sure when there's other missing people, I share theirs on there too. Okay. All right. And trying to help keep people following. I should have asked you this probably before. Did did uh, Kelly have other friends close like you, or were you, you two just two peas in a pod, or were there other friends that were close she as well? Had, she had another friend, Lavina, that she was close to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Lavina don't, she's never stepped up to try to help or do what I'm doing. Okay. I I guess what I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I'm wondering in your everyday life, do you, who do you talk to about Kelly and her case? Do you ever throw around ideas with other people who knew Kelly and I'm wondering, once again, not to get into theories or anything, but do they feel like you do, or do you, do they have, like, a different theory than you do? Actually, the only one I've really been able to talk to is her sister, Adrian. Um, okay. And she just, you know, she she was young, a teenager when this all happened, so mm-hmm. 
a lot of the stuff that she didn't know. Now she, her, you know, at the time, well, recently said that Kelly and Lester were physical in front of her. And I said, well, why were they physically fighting in front of you? But they never did in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Would you... you know, I. Please. She just says, I don't know. So. Would you say that Adrian's opinion on what happened and your opinion on what happened are the same or are they different? Uh, they're the same at this point. The same. Okay. We're just going to leave it at yeah. that. Okay. Any last words before we complete this interview, Brenda? Just, I hope, I hope, I pray that we can get answers to Kelly mm. and any women out there, please stay safe. Okay. Brenda, I appreciate you talking about your best friend, Kelly, on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Brenda Rismone, best friend of Kelly Sims. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. I realize we don't have too many quote-unquote best friends on the program unless they are a family member. But under the circumstances, and now that you've heard about Kelly's family situation... I think you can understand why Brenda was our guest. And I think she provided a very complete and accurate description of Kelly and her life, up to and including her disappearance. Now that the interview is over, I think you can understand why this episode has the title it does. We have conjecture. Did Kelly really get out of the tow truck, as Casey says? Did she skip the rendezvous bar when she saw Scott's car, or Scott himself there? Did somebody abduct her from the street? We have coincidences. She and Lester having an argument the same night she disappears. Scott being at the exact bar that Kelly was allegedly walking to that night. Lester giving up the child to Brenda within hours of Kelly disappearing. And we have crimes. The murder committed by Keith Barton not long after Kelly disappeared in the same area where she disappeared. The murder possibly committed by Marty Ogden a couple years later, also in the same area. And by the way, Brenda was right about that during the interview. Marty has never been charged in that murder. And we have the troubles that Scott Sims and Lester Newton have had since 1990. Each one of these topics could take us in a variety of directions. And what direction you go will probably be based on your own concepts, and you'll come to your own conclusions. But here's what my experience of 130 cases tells me. Disappearances, when they are solved, are pretty much what the public thought happened. Surprises are not customary. Zoe Campos, Laura Bible, and Ashley Freeman, Mike Williams, for example, all have turned out the way we thought. So what does your common sense say? I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.